you know me. It's frightening how many novels of suspense I've written. But still, when I'm not recognized, it just kills me. So instead of saying I wrote Carrie, I carry the American Express card. Without it, isn't life a little scary? The American Express card. Don't leave home without it. Hello, kiddies. Welcome to Horror Month on the Deep Dive Podcast. There will be lots of tricks and maybe a few treats in store. <laughs> so put on your mask, you know, for safety reasons. And listen, if you dare. <laughs> Oh, very spooky stuff. Sage I, advice, Frau Blucher. Yes. Oh, I'll have to insert that sound effect later. <laughs> uh, yeah, thank you for uh, sticking through that uh, inordinately long intro. Uh, but, you know, we indulge ourselves here at the uh, Deep Dive Podcast. So, we do. Welcome to our devilish divers out there. This is, sadly, week four of Horror mm. Month here at the Deep Dive Podcast. The podcast may end, but it won't end in your heart. No, because it's all congealed with cholesterol. <laughs> If you're one of our, you know, typical demographic listeners. <laughs> well, yeah. Which, which reminds me, uh, just yeah. as an aside, uh, I don't know if you saw uh, my, my regular Instagram post. Uh, I found the greatest snack food in the history of all snack foods. No, I didn't see it. Yeah, so uh, I got a bag of uh, hers, you know, the, the, the potato chip manufacturer. Uh, they put out a cheese curl that is grilled cheese and tomato soup flavored. Oh, I did see that. I didn't realize they were potato chips. I thought it was just like seasoning mix. No, they're not, no, they're not potato chips. They're cheese curls. Oh, cheese curls. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and okay. The, uh, I don't know how they do it, but they're magicians and alchemists. But it's a good combo. Tomato there. soup and cheese. Yeah. yeah always yeah. good. So um, if, if anyone from the HERS company is listening to this. Hashtag sponsors. Um, yeah, hashtag sponsors. Plus, send me as many cases of, of those as you can. <laughs> I will take irregulars. I don't care. Now, is it hers or heirs? Hers. Like, hers. Okay. Yeah, it's not like um, Air Schmeigel or something. Yeah, last year, me and the family actually went to the hers factory. Of course you did. And uh, got, to, got to take the tour, the factory tour. <laughs> and I will tell you this, yeah. in, in all sincerity... Uh, that we were allowed to eat hot potato chips right off the production line. Wow. Unbelievable. <laughs> like, unbelievable. I mean, it's just potatoes, but I, I, I imagine that you had a good time. I'm going to forget you said that. <laughs> because we're friends. And that's what friends do. They forgive. They forgive. They do. Okay. And also, uh, you know, I don't want to say bad things in front of our special guest. That's true. We have a guest. We Maybe do. we should do intros first, because I kind of talked over all that that's fine that's fine my name is tom yep i'm a writer for wang's job movie magazine yes you are god knows when the next issue is coming up because i haven't heard anything uh but eventually i'm sure it will probably later close to the holidays and it'll be available on amazon.com yes only 
on Amazon.com. <laughs> You're welcome, Amazon. That's right. And it's right. me, the Mandalorian. The Mandalorian. And as of recording, we're what? Just days away from the season two premiere. Season two premiere. I'm so Absolutely. And a few <laughs> days after that, the end of America as we know it. But that's a whole other topic. <sighs> yeah. But me, the Mandalorian, your favorite co host, Supreme. Oh, yes. That's like, uh, you know, the Supremes. Or the, uh, like, uh, what is it Taco Bell has? The uh, Oh, the Nacho Supreme? Nacho Supreme. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or that. Um, that weird brand that why is everyone so obsessed with that where it's a scarce it's a the, the illusion of scarcity because <sighs> like they only put out so much stuff and oh, you gotta like yeah. wait in line in one of their creepy stores to so get it's like it. hardcore limited edition it, yeah that's the whole point of supreme yeah but it's been bootlegged so many times that it really isn't anymore right you can basically find fake easy yeah. i'm sure you can find fake supremes and uh, yeah oh yeah and of course they 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 have the easiest logo in the world to copy right like why so simplistic it's i'm a sure ridiculously Diana simple font coloring <laughs> Size. I mean, really? Yeah. But well, as you mentioned, we have a special guest, like a yes, super special guest. Yes. And why is our guest super special? Because I forced him to come. Yes. Yes. Exactly. You win. <laughs> no, it's my husband Wayne. Hi, Wayne. Hi. He's also known as a super uh, Stephen King aficionado connoisseur, as it were. And and why would that be important on this episode? Well, because this episode is all about the king himself, and I don't mean Elvis. The king of horror, Mr. Stephen King. Thank you very much. Or Richard Bachman. One of the two. Richard Bachman is a pseudonym. Pseudonym, yes. As I like to say. But this episode, we're talking about our favorite adaptions, adaptations. That's the word. I don't know. One of those words. We're talking about it. But we figured we'd end end, uh, horror month on a really interesting cake because we typically have, you know... We have kind of a, a, a flow here. We talk about monsters and, and creepy and spooky things and haunted places mm-hmm. and hell gates and, you know, exorcisms and all that fun stuff. Never do we really talk about a one singular person. But right. really, this episode is going to be about his work. And yeah. it turns out there's a lot of it. Oh, yeah. He's prolific. Yeah. To say the least. You know, I remember talking in one of the episodes and I said I, it was going to be hard for me because I didn't know any. I've only seen a couple of films. Turns out I've seen way more than I knew. Yeah, you yeah. have no idea. I mean, his his cultural impact is incalculable, really. It, it really is. He, his work has permeated so much of our pop culture right. over the last 40 uh, almost 50 years. It's, right. it's insane. Like, I didn't realize until I grew up that Cujo was one of his books. I just thought it was a fancy name that people gave to their dogs. No. No, but that's a thing. It, it yeah. was a book. Yeah, it was a scary it was a book. book. And a scary but anyways, movie. Wayne is here, hopefully, to talk about uh, his some f- favorite stuff of Stephen King's, but also he's going to offer a pick, which is really cool. Oh, good. Excellent. Yeah. Very he's nice. He's got some notes that were handwritten by me. <laughs> Also, uh, for those who don't know, Wayne is my husband. It's taken me three years, almost three years to get him on the podcast, but finally it worked. I gave him lots of chocolate. That, that you know, that's good. It works. That he works likes fine. dark chocolate. Yeah. And only yeah. Cadbury's because he's English. Oh, well, see now I, I didn't know that. And yet I have dark chocolate Kit Kats available. Oh. Which are my favorite kind. Yes. So have uh, you had the... Nestle, which is the wrong part of Europe. It's very true, but this is true. It's the best we can do. Have you had their matcha ones? I actually quite like them. I'm not a big matcha fan. Mm, not you know, matcha? I'm not a matcha man. <laughs> matcha, matcha. I'm not doing that. Man. Nope. Okay. Nope, nope. Anyways, so welcome to week four. I'm sad that it's over, kind of over, but mm-hmm. you know what? Halloween lives in our hearts. And we're very lucky because this month we got actually a fifth week, technically. 
Kind of. Kind of. Yeah. It wasn't enough time to produce a fifth episode, but thank you to everybody who stuck around so far and listened to our, our horror experience. We have a lot of fun every year doing this, and we can't wait for next year, which will be year three. Yes, I know. And I do want to apologize for the technical snafu last week. That was all on me. <laughs> Uh, but it is fixed now, so... It was kind of like there was like four of me, which the world needs, obviously, but... Of course. Yeah, we fixed that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, so that's not, you know, that's uh, my apology, mea culpa, and all that fun stuff. <laughs> all right, so, shall we get to the goods? Let's do it. All right, so in 1973, the name Stephen King was first introduced to American readers with his debut novel, which was... I don't know, Christine? No. Carrie. Carrie, thank you, Wayne. This is why we brought one. This is why you need to speak up, please. You're embarrassing me. In the almost (laughs) half century since then, his name has become synonymous with the horror genre. With over 60 novels, countless short stories, and a frightening number of movie and TV adaptations, Hmm. Stephen King has become a one-man horror franchise. And that's why we are giving him the greatest honor of his life, talking about him on our show. Yeah. And Great he's honor. a New Englander, too, which is cool. Great honor. Great yeah, honor. Absolutely. He lives a little bit farther up in Maine, but I've, I heard that where he lives is just gorgeous. It's creepily gorgeous. Yes, he's got that cool iron, wrought iron gate with the bats on yeah. it. Yeah. That's so nice. And I feel like a lot of his story locations are, like, super obvious to New Englanders. Like, they could be anywhere around us. Oh, yeah. Like, I know Salem's Law is obviously we have Salem, but right. but there's a bunch of places. Where, Derry, uh, is, Derry is constantly in his... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and we have like eight dairies around New England. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a, a lot of milk <laughs> in those dairies. <laughs> I knew someone was gonna make that joke. And that someone is me. Yeah, that's you. That's mm-hmm. you. Just so you know, Salem's not isn't set in Salem. Well, this is why I don't normally speak. So. It's a town called Jerusalem's Lot. There's an apostrophe in front of it if you read the front of the cover. And we're back. Yeah, and we're back. Okay. My so, soul is not depleted. Yeah. So, Amanda, yeah. would you like to start us off? Maybe I will. Maybe okay. I'll try and redeem myself a there little bit. There you go. Good luck. <laughs> okay. So, my first pick, I, here's the thing. Like, like I said before, I didn't know that there were so many adaptations that were so mainstream, right? And I didn't know there was Stephen King... Well, came from novels, things like The Shawshank Redemption, uh, The Dead Zone, Stand By Me, one of my favorite movies ever, The Shining, obviously. Uh, but what about Misery, um, yep. uh, The Green Mile, Dolores Claiborne, mm-hmm. all these plays. Oh, 1408, by the way, with Samuel L. Jackson. Yep. Yep. Did not know. So that kind of got me thinking, because once I found this list, I thought, well, okay, I can pick something from this. I know thing. I know some things. And my pick is uh, from 1984. Ah. And it's called Firestarter. Charlie McGee is a healthy eight-year-old girl. Normal in every way. Charlie, now watch what you're doing. But one. Did she do that? What are you going to do with it? Well, when you're here, so you can do all your tests. And you give her to me. Charlie has the power. Do something bad. Will you still love me? She can set things on fire. Something's happening in there. With just a glance. It is a power she does not want. Stick with him. Daddy, I'm scared. So am I, honey. A power she cannot control. Back up. And each night, she prays to be just like every other child. We haven't got her yet. We left. But there are those who will do everything in their power to find her. Control her. Charlie! And maybe destroy her. Charlie! Come to me, Charlie. Go! 
of the same name. From the Prodigy song. <laughs> exactly. Prodigy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, listen, it's directed by Mark Lester, who's known for things like Commando and Showdown in Little Tokyo, but also, fun fact, he's one of these directors that does a mashup of animals. Uh, for example, Poseidon Rex. Oh. A T-Rex that lives in the ocean. Nice. <laughs> and we've done, you know, things like Sharknado, and, and we've done a bunch of things like that. But he has one of those films, which I think is... That's the top of a of a horror career list, bucket list, oh, is yeah. to make one of those films. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like Velocipaster. Have you seen that Ex- one? Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to know why I watched it, because um, I felt like this is wrong. This is doing something. But it was just funny. You have to watch it. It's mm. on Hulu and Tubi right now. Um, okay, so it stars little baby Drury Barrymore. Aww. Fresh off of E.T., right? Because E.T. was what? In 1982, I think? Yeah. Um, and she, of course, played this little in- innocent, angelic, little terrified little child. Yeah. yeah, not so much in this one. No, not so much. And no. I think when, when Drew Barrymore started this movie, she had just finished her first stint in rehab. <laughs> I mean, that's funny, but probably true. Yeah. So it also stars Martin Sheen. Uh, we all know we love Martin Sheen. Oh, yeah. Um, so quick little breakdown here, right? Little Charlene, or Charlie as she's called, she's around nine years old. She's the daughter of Andy and Vicky. Andy and Vicky were hipster kind of fresh out of college students when they decided, you know what? We're going to we're gonna participate in this scientific experiment that's, you know, going to be paid. It's like when kids are like, hey, I need to go get money, so I'm going to donate plasma. It was kind of like that. Mm. But in this case, they were injected with a hallucinogenic formula, and it gave them powers, for lack of a better phrase. Uh, her dad, Andy, can now, like, make people believe what they want to believe. Like, he can he can make them think that they are blind or, you know, on fire or something. Uh, the mom, Vicky, she's like a, a telepath. So she can you know, speak through her mind and whatnot. So they're like, all right, cool. You know, years go by. They don't think about it. They're like, oh, some weird side effects. Cool, whatever. They have a kid. Well, turns out those genetic things, they do pass along. Charlie is very powerful. She's also a pyrokinetic expert. So she can control fire with her mind. Yes. Because how else would you control fire? Mm-hmm. Um, so turns out there's a secret government, there's always a secret government agency behind these things, right? So the place where they originally went to get this um, drug is called the, quote, the shop. It's just like, it's so horrific, right? Because it makes me think of like a like a body part shop for like cars. Maybe that was the effect, I don't know. But basically, they're like, hey, the whole plot is revealed in that they want to capture Charlene and use her, weaponize her, as they always do, right? It, that's like the plot of Jurassic Park 2. They want to weaponize the, the velociraptors and stuff, the indoraptor. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. So anyways, um, it becomes a a escape from the who can you trust, who can you not trust? Because people, you know, you just, you don't know. Do you really want... Uh, who can you trust with this viable information? Because on one hand, you need to tell somebody in order to try and protect yourself. On the other hand, if I walked up to you and said, I can control fire with my mind, I and mean, you're going to look at me like I'm crazy and probably lock me up in a psycho place again, maybe. Unless you can actually do it. I mean, nobody can actually do it. Do you think people can actually do it? No. Okay, never mind. Uh, in any case, so the the government... <laughs> Why do I feel like I'm on fire right now? Why am I burning? Oh, my hand's on fire. Um, so... 
they the government agency wants to capture them, right? So unfortunately, Vicky takes a spill and she dies. Then Andy comes in and he's like, "Oh, well, my wife, I gotta protect my kids." So they go on the run, and they're constantly just trying to get away from people. They finally tell like this m- older couple that they meet on the road and they're hiding out, and it just becomes they're trying to stay away from this agency all the while threatening to tell the media what they know and what they can do, right? So it comes down to this big, I guess, sort of battle at the end. Um, And Charlene's power is just enormous now. It turns out that while her dad was sort of pretending to have his powers lessened, right, like over time, to give the illusion that maybe she wouldn't be as powerful, turns out he he was fine. He still had a lot of his powers left, and she was just exponentially more powerful. Uh, She ends up killing some people, and he dies. And he's like, please kill them and take down the operation, you know, in my name or whatever. Um, And that's basically it. Right. So the movie ends with her uh, going to like a movie studio, like a movie studio or media studio. And she's going to like tell the public, uh, supposedly. Turns out there's also a sequel. Don't watch the sequel. Mm -hmm. No. And so that's that's the plot of the movie. Now, if it seems like it's short, it's because it is. There's not a lot of substance to this movie, and I fully admit that. But the reason why I picked it is because I saw snippets of it when I was very young and it terrified me. It made me actually very fearful that someone could control fire. And I, I grew up being a little bit fearful of fire, actually, because of that. It wasn't until I got into, like, you know, camping and, and Girl Scouts and stuff that I learned to like fire, but whatever. Um, okay, so this book, or this this uh, movie, 1984, is, of course, based on the, the novel Firestarter. Um, it, <laughs> ratings aren't super great. IMDb gives a 6.1. Rotten Tomatoes gives it a 37%, so it's pretty rotten. Uh, Metacritic gives it a 50, right? So it, it's kind of people are mediocre about it. I don't mind it. I think Drew Barrymore, it's such a a far and away version of Drew Barrymore than she was two years ago in E.T., right? Because in an E.T., she was a small little kid, and she was like, I don't know, I, you kind of fell for her. In this one, I was just like, she sort of annoyed me a little bit. And I also kind of was like, you're too old. Like, it, it almost felt like they were forcing an adult character on a very small child. So that kind of creeped me out a little bit. Um, all right. That's my first pick. So where can you stream it? You can stream it right now on DirecTV, Cinemax, Huluween. So Hulu has this thing where they've put together a bunch of horror movies, and they're calling it Huluween. That's, you know, original, mm. I guess. I, hey, mm. I, they didn't ask me my opinion. Uh, no. Um, but you can also rent it on Apple TV, buy it on Amazon, most of the places they have it. So here's a little fun fact about this film. Uh, Stephen King, who is the man of the hour, he didn't really like it. <laughs> Turns out after he saw a very rough version of the film, he declared it as, quote, one of the worst of the bunch, unquote, mm-hmm. meaning of his adaptations. Um, and he dubbed it, quote-unquote, flavorless. <laughs> so he and the director, Mr. Mark Lester, they they traded some not-so-nice words back and forth. And the director was actually really kind of upset. He was like, hey, I really like you. I'm trying to make you proud. You're my dad. Whatever. He didn't say that. I'm just imagining. <laughs> um But in the end, Stephen King kind of relented. Or I guess not relented, but he was just like, hey, I think the producer kind of really messed up with him. And it remains... One of the movies that he doesn't really like, I guess. I actually didn't mind it. I liked it. I, yeah. I liked Firestarter. Yeah, I didn't really mind it. I didn't like the sequel. No, well, but I don't think anybody did. No one really did. Um, yeah. But I don't mind it. Now, I haven't read the book. I haven't really read any Stephen King books, to be you honest should. with you. What? You should. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I know. We're going to get to that in a minute, because that's your part. <laughs> oh, no. um, <laughs> start, start reading right now. Right now, right? Yeah. I do have my phone open. Uh, but, yeah, so... That's my pick. I 
I was going to go like Misery because I love that movie. Yeah, I love Dolores Claiborne. Uh, I love that movie. Um, but you know what? I picked something that I think that uh, it wasn't so great, but I really liked. Okay. Yeah. That's my first pick. 1984's Firestarter. Get it right now. Watch it right now on DirecTV and Hulu. Nice. And it, it does have, uh, you know, it does have that Stephen King trope of blowing everything up at the end. Right. And That's that, kind of common. Yeah. That, who is the guy who does explosions now? Who's famous for it? Michael Bay. Michael Bay. I wonder if he was like a Stephen King fan. He must Maybe. have been. Because like he does everything explosions. But you know, it's it's a great way to end a book when you're not really sure how to end the book. It just blow everything up. You assume he didn't mean to do that on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> just blow it up. Yeah. But that's my first pick. Okay. Very nice. Now, speaking of blowing things up, mm. uh, my first pick could have easily been on last week's episode, Best Worst Movies. Oh, it didn't get a lot of love when it opened in theaters back in 1986. Oh, I was live then. And it is never mentioned on any Best of Stephen King's list for a reason. And I am talking about the only motion picture ever written and directed by Stephen King. What? Maximum Overdrive. Hi. My name is Stephen King. I've written several motion pictures, but I want to tell you about a movie called Maximum Overdrive. A lot of people have directed Stephen King novels and stories, and I finally decided if you want something done right, you ought to do it yourself. So come and spend some time with me and my friends at the Dixie Boy. Spend some time in the dark. Please don't let me in the dark. I'm going to scare the hell out of you. Now, it is understandable why Stephen King would want to take a crack at directing one of his own screenplays. In 1986, King was already a horror superstar yep. because of his books. The film adaptation of Carrie was a huge success. Mm -hmm. And it's possible that the second King novel adapted for film spurred him on to direct his own movie. And that was The Shining. Oh, okay. Directed by legendary Stanley Kubrick. Mm. It's considered to be a horror classic now. Uh, but when it was released in 1980, the reviews were not especially kind well, yeah. to the movie. Now, Stephen King was one of those people who didn't like it. Uh, he thought Kubrick's film lacked any real humanity and that it downplayed the main character, Jack Torrance, who was played by Jack Nicholson, mm. uh, downplayed his descent into alcoholism which made him more susceptible to the supernatural influences surrounding him. So peripherals and, weren't there. Yeah, and yeah. It, it, the film left Stephen King very cold. He didn't think the human element was there. It was just all very, well, you know, like like Kubrick's films tend to be very kind of stark, stark, antiseptic, yeah. Yeah. emotionless, mm -hmm. things like that, very technical. And so uh, he didn't really, he didn't really care for that. So that may have been the the impetus for King to direct. Uh, his own movie, and he would get a chance to call the shots a few years later. Now, sadly, Maximum <laughs> Overdrive did not deliver on Stephen King's promise. It was not his best work. By his own admission, mm. King was coked up out of his mind at the time. <laughs> it sounds like one of those games at the beach where you can rent and play like the car games. You know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah. It sounds like that. Oh yeah, and and you know. It's crazy. It's loud. It's obnoxious. wait. You say he was coked up. He was. Oh, he was coked up out of his mind when he was making that movie. Oh, and you, yeah, you can tell. Oh, because this is basically like a movie version of cocaine. Uh, it's <laughs> it's 
obnoxiously loud. Okay. Okay. Uh, it's a it's a big old demolition derby of a movie. Uh, you know, so it's it's very much like like a movie on cocaine. Not 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 that I would I would we would not would, no. anyway. <laughs> Maximum Overdrive is King's own adaptation of a short story called Trucks. And in the film, after Earth crosses through a tail of a comet, all machines begin behaving malevolently and killing people, including my favorite scene in the movie, which is this very rude vending machine starts shooting cans of soda at people and killing them with cans of soda to the head. Is this legitimate? That depends on, you know. Well, no, I just, it's funny. Yeah, this is real. So they use their own... Uh, materials to kill people? Yeah, so all the machines basically become evil. So if you had a cigarette machine, would it give you cancer? Eventually. <laughs> or is that too surreal? It would Sorry. take a while. <laughs> so it's Transformers with a bad attitude. Yeah, except they don't actually, I mean, they, they just like run into things and kill people and do all kinds of crazy stuff. Right. Uh, now, what happens is, is that the majority of this film takes place at a roadside gas station. Always. There's a, a group of randos, as usual, including Emilio Estevez. Oh. Uh, speaking of the Sheen Martin connection. Martin Sheen, yeah. The Sheen connection. Why does uh, he call himself Sheen? Uh, because he wanted to make his own way as an actor. Ducks. But everybody knew. Quack. Yeah, everybody knew he was Martin Sheen. It didn't really matter. Right. Uh, yeah. Now, all these, these, this group of randos are trapped by a convoy of killer big rigs <laughs> that are led by this giant truck with a huge green goblin face on its grill for some reason. I can't understand that either. So the movie is basically is like uh, is like a, a kind of a snapshot of that time in the 1980s. Uh, it's lots of crashing metal, lots of explosions, lots of screaming, mm-hmm. and lots of heavy metal music by ACDC who did the soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, so basically if you took if you took that that sort of era and turned it into like an essential oil, for example. <laughs> the label would say maximum overdrive. Oh man, you get to buy it at like Bradley's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So now this ragtag group of people have to figure out a way to survive while these killer trucks are, you know, you can't you can't leave the building right. or you're gonna get run over. And now the um the the big rig, the, the lead big rig is and okay, and I, I could not make this up. <laughs> uh, communicates with people in the gas station by by honking its horn in Morse code. Like, how would the truck know what Morse code is? And basically, what honk, it wants, honk. it's honk. negotiating for people to come out and give the trucks fuel to fuel the truck that they can't do it themselves. I see. I see. So it's like the magic school bus. Yeah, I guess if there was lots of blood. Yeah. Uh, Miss Frizzle's going to come any second. Yeah. So <laughs> as you can imagine, just from the description alone, this film is kind of a disjointed mess. Yeah. But it's a fun disjointed mess. I think it's, I you know, I can turn off my brain, watch it and enjoy it, crank the sound up and just have a good time. Uh, oh, fun fact. What? If you close your eyes and listen, you would discover that one of the characters that's trapped in the gas station is none other than the voice of Lisa Simpson, actor Yeardley Smith. Oh. And you, you hear the voice. It oh. is the same. Yeah, it's, it's Lisa Simpson. That must be very surreal and bizarre. Yeah, because this was, well, this was before she started working yeah. on The Simpsons. Right, right. So she was just an actress. 
<laughs> she was uh, just an actress. Just an actress you know, being <laughs> in movies. And so, yeah. So if you're in the mood, put your brain in neutral, <laughs> crank up the volume, and enjoy the drug-fueled madness oh. of Maximum Overdrive. Nice. Good now, pick. let's get to the score. I'm excited for this. Now, this actually gets a halfway decent 5.9 out of 10 oh, okay. on the Internet Movie Database. But on the flip side, a miserable 15% Ooh. on Rotten Tomatoes. That's but, super rotten. Okay, but I have to, you know, I have to kind of quantify that. The Rotten Tomatoes audience score yeah. is a lot better at 50%. Uh, okay. So... If you would like to watch this multi-vehicle accident of a movie, it is available to rent on most major streaming services like iTunes, Amazon Prime Video, and Vudu for the low, low cost of $3.99. And there you nice. have it. Maximum overdrive. Good pick. There you go. What's this thing with cars? I feel like in everything that I've seen, there's some sort of car connection, like Christine, obviously. Well, yeah, which, by the way, is right behind uh, Wayne right there. Oh, nice. That's Christine. Nice. <laughs> He's fine, though. He, so what's the whole anybody. thing with that? that did well, she, James Dean actually she, die in her? No. Oh, okay. No, no. I James Dean. Who was it? Who was Nobody, it? Nobody. No, no. The, the car was born bad. Yeah. That's oh. kind of the whole point. It's just some things are just born They're bad. just born malevolent. Yeah. It comes and out of the factory and it kills someone as it's coming out of the yeah. factory. Yeah. So right away, it's just bad. It's like news. a velociraptor. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. it starts killing each person that has something to do with yeah. the car. Got it. Or it actually possesses the owner kind of way. It kind of takes yeah. over their personality. Okay. And kind of, and then if anything wrongs the owner, it goes after. You know, it's like it's kind of like a weird love relationship. I see. I see. Okay. So, what is the whole James Dean connection then? Am I am I wrong in thinking that? Uh, the only James Dean connection I would think of is simply because uh, the way Christine communicates yeah. is by playing songs from the fifties. Kind of like I see. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. So, oh, okay. I understand. But that's that. a great movie. John Carpenter directed. Love John Christine. Carpenter. Uh, great soundtrack. Just really good movie. I love it. And I've only seen James bits and pieces Dean of it. Died in a car crash, right? Yeah, he did. Yes. So okay, that's so that's where. Oh, yeah. okay. Because yeah. I thought I remember reading something. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. cool All cool, right. Cool. Probably in a car that looked similar to that. Right. That would. That Maybe would that's where sense. the inspiration came from. Yeah. Yeah. Kenneth Fury. Who? Nice. All right. So Wayne. Do you, would you like to uh, interject here? Sure. So it might be kind of obvious, but I picked the remake part one of it. Ah, okay. It is my favorite book of all time. It I, is? It is. It is? Exactly. It is? It is? Yes. <laughs> yes. All right, See, I'm the sorry. missing T is what's referred to as a glottal stop. It's where the sound stops moving through your throat. <laughs> it's an actual thing in... Um, um, Vernacular? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's my favorite book. I've read it once a summer every year since I was 11, and I'm now 35, so I've read it at least 24 times. Wow. Okay, that's good. Um, yeah, I, th- I felt like part one of the remake, they did a fantastic job. Uh, it was directed by Andy Musiki-Essi, apparently. Amanda very kindly... I spelled, it out, I spelled it out phonetically for him. Yeah, because it's I can't pronounce Italian Musichieri. words. Oh, I love that. It's Greek. It's a Greek yeah. dish. No, I don't think yeah, so. exactly. Right? <laughs> That's um, moussaka. Oh. <laughs> so, uh, it's a long book, and the short premise of it is there is a benevolent force in the town of Derry, Maine, that lives on children. You mean min- malevolent? Yeah, that one. There's a benevolent <laughs> force, too. You're right. Known as the turtle. Um, you're right. Absolutely. I got that entirely wrong. Thank you, dear. 
You're welcome. Honest. You're welcome, honey. Where would I be without you? Yeah, well, um, I suppose on a Saturday. I would still be in England without Gee, you. That's true. So, a little interjection here, right? Pause. We decided to pay Feeney <laughs> to become our marriage counselor for the this episode. Not enough. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Please don't let me interrupt your very what I'm going to sure is going to be a lovely explanation of this very creepy horror film. I mean, you enjoyed it when you watched it. I will say I liked one. But I am a huge Tim Curry fan, so I will get to that afterwards. Please continue. Okay. So, malevolent mm. force that eats children uh, happens starting in the summer, and then it builds up and builds up until a really big event, killing lots of people, typically every 27 years, and then it goes into hibernation for 27 years, and then comes back and does the same thing over and over and over again. When you're a kid think the universe revolves around you, that you'll always be protected and cared for. Then, one day, you realize that's not true. It. Only in cinemas. And... There is a small child who goes missing and his older brother tries to find out what happened to him um, without wanting to spoil anything. And he bands his group of friends together and they go off and fight it. That is the premise of the first part. And then the second one, they come back 27 years later and fight it as adults. And the second part of the movie just didn't land at all. The kids aspect was really awesome. Um, Bill Skarsgård, had a lot of chemistry with the kids that just wasn't there with the adults. And I think the first part was far and away better than the second one was. Cool. I think it, it was a very good adaptation. It, they took all of the parts of the book that were really great and just, it worked really well. Um, there's a scene where they're in the basement of the house. So it lives in the sewers. It comes out of the sewers in um, the form of whatever scares you the most because it gets more from you if you're afraid. So why is he a clown? Afraid. Not everyone's favorite clown, though, right? Uh, well, because when he's a clown, he can entice kids to come. Because everyone him. loves clowns, it's, so it's a theory. backwards thing. Yes, oh. exactly. And then when you're there, he turns into whatever it is you're afraid of the most. So, like one kid had watched in in the book, one kid had gone to the movies and he had seen the creature from the Black Lagoon. I see. He'd been scared by it. It, it lures him in as a clown, and then he transforms into the creature from Black Lagoon and then rips his head off. Wait, when does this take place? The creature of Black Lagoon came out in like the 60s, in the 50s. Uh, the, the first part of the movie, first part of the book takes place in 1958, and then the second oh. part takes place in 1985. Oh, in that makes the sense. movies, they moved it forward, so that, part okay, part okay, takes yeah. place in 1985, yeah. Yeah. and then the second part takes place 27 years later. Common date, like modern date. Yeah, okay, Basically. now I see. I see. Yes. Um... Yeah, so he lives in the sewers, that's where his lair is, and there is a direct line from the sewers to the basement of this house, and they, the kids go into the house to fight him, and uh, they see him for the first time, and that scene is the first time they ever actually saw him in the makeup, so the fear that they show is the real fear yeah. on their face because cool. they had never they had no idea what they were walking into wow. and then he just climbed that out must be terrifying. and they just start screaming and crying because they've never seen him before they think this is an actual killer clown coming to eat them which wow. is really cool that's yeah. really cruel 
um, of the director. <laughs> I mean, they knew what they were walking into, yeah. but right, oh, okay, they had okay. No the kids idea. are getting paid. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, they got right. paid a lot of money. Yeah, um, but they just they didn't know what they were going to see. Right. So it was legitimate fear, which was so really smart. So that is, is that why you feel like the the first part with the kids is what made it a better movie? Yeah, and I feel like it was a better adaptation of the book. I see. Um, I find. Uh, I found like the adaptation for the second one seemed kind of rushed. I see. They left a lot out, in my opinion. Uh-huh. Uh, whereas the 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 overarching theme of what happens of them being kids it runs through really well. To be fair, it's also like a thousand pages, isn't it? Uh, one thousand one hundred and sixty-seven, I think, something like that. Yeah. He's, um, see, he likes the book. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> um, to be fair to them, at the end of the book, it jumps mid-chapter from 1958 to 1985 and back again and back again and back again. So you can't make a direct, this is a kid's movie, this is an adult movie. Right. Um, but, yeah, I, I thought they did fantastic with it. I, I, I loved it. I loved every second of the first part. I did like the first one. Uh, I didn't see the second one. I got maybe, what, 10 minutes in? Uh, it was just, I thought that there was a distinct difference in horror right so there was the first one was uh spookily creepy in my mind terrified right the second one i was grossed out uh yeah and the second one was all about jump scares yeah exactly exactly and, um i feel like it works much better as a psychological horror with you know you don't know what he's going to appear as you don't know if he's even there kind of thing right because each then, kid has something fearful exactly I guess. yeah whereas um in the second one, you know that he's there and there's a lot more slapstick to it and it's a lot more about jump scares and it just, it sort of diluted the the overall essence of... Right. Yeah. I also didn't think, I don't think it did as well either in terms of like ratings, right? Mm. Which, do you have ratings? I we think, do, yeah. yeah. AMDB gave it a 7.3. Mm. Uh, Metacritic gave, uh, for the first one at least, I don't yeah. have any for the second because I didn't care enough to find out. <laughs> um, Metacritic gave it 69 and Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, gave it eighty five percent. Okay, so that's high up there. Yeah, then that's pretty high. Yeah. yeah, that's good. I've heard overall people really enjoy the first one. Yeah. So okay, so this one then is a remake, as we discovered, yes. right? Well, um, kind of, kind of. Mm -hmm. They did uh, a mini series in the nineties, um, which is its own adaptation, and it didn't do too badly in the grand scheme of things. I mean, it's a, a cult lot, classic. A lot of people my age are scared of clowns because of that movie. Yeah. <laughs> Tim um, Curry is oh, fantastic. He's so, he so good in that. I feel like he's he one of right. it's one of these actors where I feel like anything you put him in, he, you really can't complain too much about it. Even though you hate Rocky Horror Picture Show, I actually think I he's brilliant. Can't stand it. Thank you. Thank you. <sighs> you know, fun fact: our first date ever, we went to see the Rocky Horror Picture Show at the movie theater in Salem. Live. Live. That, so okay. they they had the movie, and then they had oh, someone yeah. acting it out underneath. Right. Right. That's yeah. the, that's. I mean, that's the only way that you can get through it. And so, I, I specifically said, yeah, okay, ready for this. I said, I'm not a big fan of that movie. Well, she wanted to go see it anyway. So we went to see it. Guess who fell asleep five minutes into it? Oh. <laughs> oh. So I'm sat there just in the movie theater wow. staring at this thing just like. I fell asleep. Again? I yeah. did. Wow. <laughs> I didn't realize I and had said, that superpower. And Wayne, you said to yourself, I'm going to marry that one. I did actually <laughs> say that, yes. <laughs> yes. Wow. And that was... 13 years ago. Ooh, creepy number 13. Yeah. <clears throat> so the first one you said, or not the first one, I should say, the TV series is a two-part series. Yes, it is. 1990s. Tim Curry, of course, was Pennywise. Yep, yes. Also, Pennywise is the clown version of It, correct? 
Because I believe yes, in the yeah. second version of the of the remake, doesn't he have another name, like a human name? Yeah, Bob Gray. Bob Gray. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it, it depends on on I guess which person he's taking the form of. But Pennywise, Tim Curry, was fantastically creepy. I think it was one of his best performances ever. And I am still terrified by that bathroom scene. <laughs> the first one in the first movie of, of the remake, it was gross, right? Yeah. And it was creepy, but it was nothing, in my opinion, compared to the 1990 version, which was shown on TV that anyone yeah. could have seen. Yeah. I am still terrified of that. I very distinctly remember being 90, so I'd have been, what, five, six years old, going to school one day and then uh, not going to school on a coming out of school on a Friday and everything being fine. Going back to school on Monday morning, and they had shown part one on Saturday night and part two on Sunday night, and all of the kids were talking about how terrified they were of it. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lifelong memory. Yeah. So, what would you say are like similarities between the '90s version and this one? Because, of course, the '90s version is a, is a television sitcom. It's not a movie per se. I mean, sitcoms a bit strong. Okay, fine. You know what I mean. It's a miniseries, put he, it that way. He's yeah. eating children. There's nothing. It's not a situation eating. comedy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's what sitcom stands for? Yes. Situation comedy. Yeah. Well, I've been wrong for quite a few many years. Okay, continue. Um, I thought they did a really good job in the 1990 version of uh, portraying how the town is. Yeah. And there's like a, a wild area called the Barrens where they go and play. I thought that looked fantastic. Um, I thought Tim Curry was great as Pennywise. Yeah. Um, I did think it was really cool in the remake. Uh, Richie goes in. It, Richie is afraid of clowns. He goes into a room with a whole load of clowns, and they have a puppet. Oh yeah, Tim Curry's Tim Pennywise. Curry's Pennywise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. that. That's what you call an Easter egg. Yes. Right. Even though it happened in the summer. Okay, and there was just silence. Mm. Um, <laughs> I'll add the cricket sound to that later. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> but yeah, um, I thought. They, I thought both Bill Skarsgård and Tim Curry played really good Pennywises. I thought they different. played different sides yeah. of Pennywise. Yeah. Um, uh, Bill Skarsgård's much more the um, the horror aspect of it. I also felt sad for him. Like, for some reason, I felt sad for Bill Skarsgård in some of the situations they were talking about. Whereas Tim Curry, I was just like, go away, you're evil. Yeah, I, I felt like he did the like comedy side of a clown really well. Yeah, uh, yes. Like, there, there are parts in the book where he's just sat there cracking jokes. And like when he appears to um, the kids, so when they go back to Derry as adults, nobody else can see him. Oh, so, okay. he, so he's sat in the library and he's shouting jokes down at Bill Denbra and he's sat there going nuts, being like, you know, leave me alone. And then people in the library are saying to him, who are you talking to? There's nobody there. Uh, okay. And he's sat up there saying, you know, do you have Prince Albert in a can? We should let him out. Did you leave your refrigerator running? You should go catch it. That kind of thing. Right. Um, oh. Tim Curry did really well with that. Yeah, I, I think he he would he yeah definitely yeah. What are um okay? So we talked about ratings, right? Which we, obviously you're really discussing the the first part. So yes. it, I think it's just called it, right? It's not chapter one. I believe it is chapter one. Okay, yeah. okay, so it's chapter one. Chapter two. Got it. Okay, okay, okay. So chapter one, where can you find it? Can anyone find it like easily now? Because it must be a big title. It's a big title. You can find it. Um, for streaming, it's uh, you can get it on Sling, TBS, or Directv. Ooh, Sling. Um, we like Sling. You can buy it from most digital retailers. Yeah. Um, Voodoo, iTunes, YouTube, yeah. et cetera, et cetera, so forth. Uh, I have it listed as being on Google for about eight ninety nine. Oh, that's not um, bad. That's cheap. Uh, you can rent it from Voodoo for three ninety nine. Oh, okay. I saw earlier, you know. Got it. Uh, and it's definitely worth spending the $4 for, for that. Yeah. Um, to rent it, if not buy it. Yeah. Exactly. 
Yeah. I did hear fun fact that the this newer version of Pennywise, his costumes were um like they referenced 16th century English Renaissance wear. So because you know how they had like those pant plant pantaloons? Pantaloons. Yeah, yeah. And the well, big and the big feather collar, yeah. exactly. It was like yeah. so almost Elizabethan. So the reasoning behind that, I would assume, is because uh Pennywise is eternal. Yeah. He he crashed down from outer space. And landed in Derry, Maine. Wait, in... he's an alien? Yes. Oh. Yes, you find that out at the very end of the book. Spoiler um, alert. Yeah, sorry. <clears throat> Whoops. I mean, the book's been out since, like, the late, the mid-80s. So, so like, get over it. Yeah. out now, you're, you're 30 you, years too late. Yeah, when you see his true form. Yeah. Okay, so he's an time. alien? Big yeah. spidery thing. Right. And the reason you see a spider is because that is as close to what he is as the mind can comprehend. Oh, wow. That's deep. Yeah. And, um... That's why when uh, in the movie when his mouth opens super wide and she looks in and see the lights, she just blanks out because she sees his true form and she can't comprehend what it is, and your mind just shuts down. That's you terrifying. You, you go catatonic. Um, but the reasoning behind the costuming is because he crashed down from outer space in like prehistoric times, and then I would assume 16th century, that's when people started actually living here, that would be the kind of outfits they would wear when they arrive. And so he's just based himself off of that from then onwards. So his first interaction with humans. Exactly. I see. I see. Well. Well, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. I just learned like eight new facts about this movie that I had no idea. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know for sure, but I, that's the assumption I would make. So last question here. Yes. In terms of this 2017 mm-hmm. movie and the book, how closely in terms of percentage did it get to the book uh, as opposed to Tim Curry's version? I feel like there's a lot missing from Tim Curry's version. Really? I feel, uh, yeah, I feel like uh, they tried to condense it down to be a for, t- TV, for TV, I guess. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. there's just a lot of stuff missing out of it. Really? Um, yeah, and like they they edited certain things um, to try and to again to try and make it TV worthy that right. they just didn't need to. Um, for example, uh, when Ben runs into it in the 1990 movie, uh, he is in the basement of the school and he just uh is it ben or is it eddie he pops out of the the showers is eddie he pops out of the showers and uh he just talks to him as a clown okay i'm having i need to let's get this out of the way now it has a name but it's either the gray guy or it's pennywise it just depends on what form he's in yes so it has no name correct it's just it it's a that's why it's called it correct because it can appear as anything oh and pennywise is just one version that we see exactly in that way it's very similar to the thing the thing doesn't have a name also stephen king yeah no john carpenter oh okay okay Uh, but it can take the shape of anything that it infects so it can take on you know the the shape of an animal or a person that's terrifying perfectly so it's a similar kind of a thing yeah so um Yeah, he just appears as Pennywise in the basement. Of the and school. because we can't comprehend it, we just call it it. Correct. Uh, or because it is a force that can show up as anything. It. Yeah. Instead of calling it the thing, they just call it it. Yeah. Because you've got you've wow. got to imagine in the kids in the book are like eleven years old. Right. So they don't have this massively developed vocabulary to be. Right. Uh, you know, enunciating it properly, but. Um, Whereas in the book, instead of just popping out of the floor, uh, for Eddie, he appears as a leper, which in the remake, he appears as a leper um, because Eddie is a massive hypochondriac. And 
anything. And his mom, right, exactly. is like always feeding yeah. him stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, whereas Ben sees a mummy. I see. Well, but uh, they don't show any of that in in the. Um, but if this is like the if the book is like the nineteen sixties or nineteen fifties rather. The like the mummy and and Dracula and all that would have come out around that time. All the Universal movies. So exactly. it would have made mm-hmm. sense that he was afraid of it. Right. That's why Richie sees a werewolf. My God. And then um. I my mind is. Yeah. Do you have so, a sound effect for that? Probably somewhere. So in the book, wow. they they go to this is the why movies I married him. and Richie sees the werewolf. Yeah. And then a few days later, they go to the house on Nebel Street, which has the direct line down to the sewer. Yeah. And. He's in the basement, and then the werewolf from the movie walks down the stairs and attacks them. Okay, so what you're saying is the remake kept way more truer to the yeah, book. Yeah, exactly. They um, they took a lot more of the elements and put it in there. And even if they didn't, like, for example, uh, Ben in the remake doesn't see the mummy. But when he's fighting Pennywise at the end of the movie, he opens his mouth and the um, the bandages come out. Oh. So that's a nice throwback to it. But they also they mentioned the... Um, Kitchener Ironworks exploding. That's how Ben sees Pennywise in the basement of the library because the Ironworks explodes and he sees one of the dead children. Which is something that's mentioned in the book. And they go into massive detail in it in the book. And it wasn't mentioned in the 1991 at all. And it's one of those big big events that puts Pennywise back into hibernation because he kills like 150 kids in one go. So he gets full. Yeah. And he goes into hyper like a bear. Exactly. Okay. So, um, so that is your deep dive on it. Yep. See what I That's good. I, See, did, I like, like that. Very nice. Uh, I, yeah. uh, for once in my life, I'm quite speechless. I'm proud of you, but I'm also like Thank terrified at your level of knowledge. I've, as I said, I've read it more times than I can. Would you say that people have to read this book? Yes. Okay. The I book is say, always better. I would say. Not always true, but I think for Stephen King, probably. I mean, Harry Potter, yes. Um, I think if you're going to read, if you're going to watch the movies, you should read the book as well. Yeah. Sure. Um, but you say, would you say people have to watch both versions in order to get it or no? Can in, people skip Tim Curry? Yeah. Uh, I would watch it all the same. I mean, I still think it's a great movie. Yeah. Regardless. Um, but there's just, there's only so much you can fit of a 1200 like, page yeah. book into a three yeah. hour yeah. movie. You know? Got That's made for TV nonetheless. Yeah. Got it. And there are some parts of it that you just absolutely cannot film. Ever. That seems like Stephen King has a pattern of doing that. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I'm just terrified now thinking about it. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. There you go. Thank, thank nice. you for your pick. Yeah, I appreciate thanks, it. Yeah. So as I said, I figured it might be a little obvious because it's the most recent one, but it's also my favorite. Thank you. Cool. Excellent. Wow. All right. Yeah, I can't follow that up. All right. You don't have a second pick? Uh, I do, but you know what? Uh, let's go with yours. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm just gonna make it an honorable mention, honestly. All right. All right. Okay. So I will go then. So uh, my first pick, Maximum Overdrive. <laughs> I would not exactly call that an obscure movie. I right. mean, it's not one of his, uh, you know, his most popular. But I think a lot of people have, have, have heard of Maximum Overdrive. But for my second pick, I'm going deep into the vault. Uh-oh. Yes. Like the Disney vault? Not quite the Disney vault. It's a little darker, some cobwebs. <laughs> but uh, my second pick is... Stephen King's Golden Years. Never heard of it. Sounds ah. like it could have come from the Disney Vault. It could have. <laughs> With a title like that. Yeah. So um, if you are currently listening to this podcast and squinting your eyes and scratching your head, that's good. <laughs> this is my goal. 
What is Golden Years? No, it is not a horror sitcom starring the ghosts of B. Arthur, Rue McClanahan, oh, and Estelle Getty. Yes! Which I would watch, by the way. I would totally watch That'd that. That'd be a great show. Friend. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's not even a movie. And it's also not based on an existing Stephen King novel or short story. Weird. Yes, it is an entirely original thing. Uh, it is also firmly set in the Stephen King universe. And I'll explain why in a minute. Golden Years was a seven-episode TV miniseries that aired on CBS during the summer of 1991. From the master of mystery, Stephen King takes you on this summer's most shocking journey. What is wrong with my husband? Something happened to him. When a man discovers there is something more frightening than growing old. You don't look the way you did two weeks ago. You look the way you did two years ago. Growing young. I could disappear without a trace. Who's going to help us? Stephen King's masterful thriller, Golden Years, premieres Tuesday. It was a bit of an experiment for Stephen King at the time. Now, as we have basically revealed in our discussion... Most of his novels are too densely packed and complex to successfully translate completely to the big screen without losing a lot of important details and story. Like It, that's definitely a victim of that syndrome. You can't, right. it's almost impossible to get it all into right, yeah. a digestible amount for a motion picture or even a two-part miniseries on TV. Right. Same with the stand. Oh, God, yes. Absolutely. So it, it's just so much that you can't cover it all and things get left behind, which, you know, if you're a Stephen King fan, you kind of it kind of ruins the experience for you if you're watching a movie and you're like, why didn't they talk about right. that? What was that part? Right. So yep. uh, he considered Golden Years a novel for television and wrote five out of the seven episodes himself. That's really neat. Yeah. And so this was kind of a, an experiment for him. Now, the main character is Harland Williams. He's this... Very kind, decent, 70-year-old man, uh, you know, like Joe Biden. Uh, and he works part-time as a janitor for a secret government facility. Like Joe Biden. Like Joe Biden. Oh, exactly. my God, stop. <laughs> now, this laboratory is working on a means of creating cellular regeneration in human beings. Oh, nice. Now, of course, something goes horribly wrong. During this experiment, and boom, there's a major explosion, and poor old Harlan gets caught up in the explosion, right? This is why we have anti-vaxxers. Exactly. Yeah. So, <laughs> the, basically, the rest of the series is Harlan filling out paperwork for Workman's Comp. Not scary, but, oh, no, 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 never mind. Uh, after the accident, Harlan seems to have suffered only minor injuries, but his wife has her suspicions especially when she notices that other people in this facility have to wear hazmat suits, but Harlan never did. So something weird is going on. But it's not until Harlan gets home from the hospital that he begins to notice some mm, changes, let's just say. His poor eyesight starts getting better. His gray hair starts turning back to its original brown. Oh, oh another fun fact. His eyes start glowing in the dark. Oh. That's odd, right? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, so Harlan realizes he's going all Benjamin Button and getting <laughs> younger by the day. So 
This is summer a summer generation. A, yeah. Yeah. So he is basically getting younger. Yeah. And that brings us to the one element that sets this story firmly in the Stephen King universe, and it's something you mentioned in Firestarter. Olay Fire Face Cream. No. Okay. The shop. Oh, the government agency. The government agency. Yeah. Yes. Now, if you're a Stephen King fan, you recognize, of course, the shop because it is the nickname for the mysterious government organization mm-hmm. that investigates and often participates in unusual or paranormal phenomena. Now, the shop has been involved in other Stephen King works as well, mm-hmm. including The Lawnmower Man, The Mist, yep. and even The Stand, where the shop was tasked with curing the super flu and failed miserably at it. God, why? So, are, who was funding them? It's it's a government agency. I <laughs> oh think yeah, the government. <laughs> yeah, it's apparently it's got some sci- it's got some name like the Department of Scientific Investigations or something like that. Right. Uh, but it's known as the shop. Oh, now, when geez. the shop discovers that poor Harlan's altered DNA might be the key to immortality, they want to find him and bring him in. So now Harlan and his wife, who is remains elderly, uh, go oh. on the run together, which is proving to be very difficult since she, you know, is in her seventies. While he, on the other hand, is getting younger and younger. Awkward. So it's a weird dynamic and one that really plays especially well into King's strengths as a writer. This is sounding like that film where the young kid who's obsessed with death and likes the old woman who... Harold and Maude. Yes! Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so, but this is, this is pure King territory at his best. Yeah. His treatment of their relationship is one of the highlights of this miniseries okay. uh it's it, they have a very sweet relationship and she you know of course even while they're on the run is like you know you're getting younger younger but i'm the same age what is that going to mean for us how are we going to keep right. going on as a couple and all that and it's it's a sweet kind of uh relationship that the two of them have yeah, it's kind of yeah well anyway <laughs> <laughs> so uh needless to say they do make some allies along the way and some enemies as well Uh but you know sooner or later the bad guys are going to catch up with you right now uh at the end of the the episodes at the end of the run uh the series kind of ends on a weird abrupt out of nowhere note and sets up a second season which never happened uh unfortunately uh there are apparently a couple of different versions out there the um the version that was released on dvd has a bit more of an upbeat ending than the cliffhanger that the original series ended on. So depending upon which one you watch, you might get a different ending with each one. Interesting. Yeah. Um, Now, this is not what you would call a straight-up horror series or anything like that. And it's a bit of a slow burn, but I like that because Stephen King's novels tend to be a bit of a slow burn. Right. You know, there's uh, you, you have to kind of care about the characters and get to know them and their quirks before you place them in danger. Otherwise, what's the point? You don't really care what you develop a connection. You do. And so yeah. he's really good at that. And that's what he did in this series, because he builds up the characters, their relationships, and then, you know, puts them in danger. And then you really care what happens to them, which is great. It's, mm-hmm. it's total you get invested. Yeah, it's totally Stephen King all the way. Cool. And by the way, he actually appears uh, in the film in a cameo, oh. in the series in a cameo, is like this uh, weird bus driver. As if you wouldn't be able to recognize him. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> uh, the acting is, is, is good in this, uh, especially from the elderly couple. Now, Harlan was played by a considerably younger actor because 
they started off with the makeup, right? You have the to old younger. makeup, and then they have to take parts of it away so right. he looks younger. But it was uh, uh, Harlan was played by Keith Zarabajka, ah. who uh, you know he has done a lot of movies, a lot of TV shows, but his main claim to fame is doing a lot of voice acting for cartoons and video games. He's done voices for Final Fantasy, Metal Gear Solid, Ooh. Call of Duty, and Halo. Oh, nice. So he's kind of a go-to actor for video games. FPS guy. He does sound yeah. like an NPC in Final Fantasy. Yeah. So it's pretty, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. Uh, and, you know, of course, the poor guy had to endure wearing the old age makeup. Unlike his co-star, who was Frances Sternhagen, who is a classic actress been around oh. since the 50s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's still kicking at age 90 right now. Good for her. So, um, yeah, this was a very interesting kind of experiment uh, for Stephen King. Yeah. Um, it was the first time he had ever tried his hand at creating and writing a television series specifically meant for like network TV and things like that. Uh, and it's a shame that it kind of got lost in the shuffle and didn't get a second season because I think it would have, you know, it would have gone on and the, the relationships and the characterizations would have been even stronger right. had they not ended it so abruptly. Uh, but I recommend checking it out. So Stephen King's Golden Years, and of course, you know, it's got the David Bowie Golden Years, song. as in like an old couple. These yeah. are our Golden Years. Yeah. Oh, I get it. Yep, Golden Years. Got it. And uh, so uh, I could only find scores for Internet Movie Database. It gets a 5.2, which is not mm, great. Yeah. But like I said, it's not like uh, action-packed kind of, you know. It's not meant to be, I suppose. It's not. Yeah. It's, like, it's, a, it's you know, Stephen King writing a TV series, basically. Right. With the characterizations that he's known for. Was he coked up? No, I don't okay. think he was at the time. I think he had kicked it by then, hopefully. <laughs> so, your 5.2, is that for the entire series? That's, that's for the whole series. Over, okay. Yeah, that's an average, I think, from all the from all seven episodes. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, now, if you want, you can actually watch, you can actually binge it on YouTube for free. Oh, nice. So you can go on YouTube. There's somebody, has, somebody put together a supercut of the entire series that you can watch all at once. Thank you. If you want YouTuber. to, so like five five plus hours of it. Oh, nice. Uh, in a row, which is kind of cool. Uh, if you really want to own it, though, uh, you can get uh, get copies of the DVD on Amazon for like five bucks. Oh, nice. Probably it worth it for then. the entire thing. So yeah. So Stephen King's Golden Years. Uh, it's a it's a, like I said, it's a, a obscure piece of Stephen King work, but. Uh, I really enjoyed it because I remember watching it when I was a lot younger on TV. I watched the whole thing. I was very disappointed when it didn't get picked up. Uh, but yeah, but it brought back a lot of uh, nostalgia when I was doing the research for it. Yeah. But yeah, Stephen King's Golden Years. Check it out if you get a chance and you're a Stephen King fan. Nice. Yeah, so that's my second pick. Sweet. I have some honorable mentions and also a little bit of Stephen King movie news. Ooh. Yes. You have movie news, movie you news. say? Wow. Welcome to the Deep Dive Movie News Hour. I'm your host. It's just, it's me. It's Mandalorian. Anyways, this movie news, as it were, is really just a, uh, it's it's a time for you to set alarms in your phone. We have some upcoming films that have been listed, right? And some of them are remakes. For example, The Boogeyman's coming back. Ooh. And guess what? They're remaking Firestarter. I'm not ex super excited about that, only because I really enjoyed the first one. But let's see. I'm going to give it a go, right? Also, they've got The Long Walk coming up. That's not Whoa. Wayne's favorite movie or book. Are they really making a movie of that? Apparently. Long it has not walk, been announced just yet. awful. But it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Also, Salem's Lot's coming back. Guess what? I can also see now the apostrophe. I, I didn't realize that's true. Okay. 
Um, in any case, uh, the Talisman and the Tommyknockers. Oh, all really? been at least announced or at least been picked up for a project. I love the Tommyknockers. I love that book. We were talking about that on the way here. I, really I have like not it. read it, but from what Wayne said, I think I need to. It's 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 Stephen King doing science fiction horror, uh, and it's got some amazing. There's there are more really good ideas. Yeah. In this book, yeah. I mean that authors that like twenty other authors would not be able to come up with. It's just yeah, it's a Stephen King. Yeah, right? it's yeah. so good. Yeah. Okay, that was my movie news. Do do do. Wait for it. Thank you for tuning in. Now, back to your regularly scheduled honorable mentions. That's me. So, listen, as I said before, I didn't know that so many of these were actually Stephen King adaptations. I didn't know. Of course, I knew about Carrie and The Shining, right? But I also didn't know that Creepshow and Creepshow 2 were Stephen King. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, uh, Children of the Corn. I, I yeah. love that movie. In fact, I talk to Jay about it all the time when I used to work with him. Um, you know Jay from the Belligerence podcast? Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Children of the Corn. We've talked about that movie several times. Um, but also Silver Bullet. Didn't know. Yeah, didn't know. And as I said before, Stand By Me is one of my all-time oh, favorite yes. movies, I think, ever. I had no idea it was a Stephen King book, like or a novella in this case. Um, wow. Yeah, that's that's all. Those are my honorable mentions. So you got to check them out because uh, I think you can avoid Pet Cemetery. That's because I get really upset when the people, you know, whatever. But <laughs> she's yeah. not a fan of Herman Monster. That's what it is. I love Aww. Herman Monster. Remember Aww. he was in you My Cousin Vinny? Yeah. The yeah. With the with the really terrible New England accent. <laughs> Nobody can ever do it right. No, no. Anyway. I'm, I'm talking to you, Diane Lane, the perfect storm. Oh, ouch, ouch. And also, of course, Misery. Misery, uh, sorry, I just love Misery. It's mm. also directed by Rob Reiner. Did you know yeah. that? Yes, I did. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know that. But anyways, um, yeah, check it out. Also, The Dark Half. Have you ever seen The Dark Half? Yeah, I've seen yeah, it. Yeah, I've seen I it saw, once. I only saw half of it. <laughs> you saw the dark half of it? Yeah, that was it. The dark half of the dark half? Yeah. But anyways, those are my mentions. This was a great episode. I'm so sorry. I know we talked a lot, but please, do you have any horrible mentions as it were you know it's it's so difficult because there are so, so many many didn't even know um i would have to say the only one that i wish you know I, I didn't mention but it's probably my favorite because it was the first stephen king novel that i ever read Ooh. uh was the dead zone oh I yeah loved the dead zone both the book and the, the movie. tv show no the de- i like the tv show. i like the tv show yeah anthony michael hall yeah i mean it was very different was but, it? Yeah, it was different, oh. a lot different from the the book and the movie. But I actually I actually enjoyed it. I watched yeah. uh, I watched every season of it. It was, I think like it was on TBS or something. It's like for three seasons or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, it, it was around for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you can't beat the movie with Christopher Walken yeah. and of course Martin Sheen doing a fantastic Donald Trump impression. He's in every though. He's in so many of them. I think the uh, the TV series runs from the opposite problem of trying to expand a like a 600-page book into a three-series. Yeah, I they see. They just have to keep adding stuff in. Right. Oh, yeah, that's kind of a bummer. Yeah, that's why Although, it's so different. I have to say, that the, the premise of The Dead Zone is, is of course, uh, the main character, Johnny, uh, can touch someone and see a vision of their future uh, just by touching them. And one, the, the one thing that I thought, one episode of the TV series that I really liked is where uh, the, the main character Johnny got was, was in an accident, like a, a, an explosion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And got a blood transfusion from a bunch of different donors, and he kept having visions from the blood that he got from all the donors of all these people at the same time. And it was just really super, like overwhelming for him, yeah. confusing, and he had to try to piece through it and figure it out. I just thought that was a really just amazing idea. Yeah. So concept. Yeah, I, I, I really like that a lot, and they played with that 
kind it's of like memento. Quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, cool. yeah, Dead Zone. That's the one that I have to recommend. It's it's for nostalgic reasons because it was like the first book I read. Yeah. Uh, and all that. But yeah, that's my only horrible mention or honorable mention. Do you have a horrible honorable mention? Um, I thought Carrie was great. The book or the movie? Both. Uh, which one? The first Carrie? There yeah. are no others. Well, there's no, there's one in 2013. Yeah, I, I, like I said, there are no others. <laughs> no. You're not going there. Um, yeah. And there Carrie... was a musical, too. There's a Broadway musical. That's amazing. That I did not just, know that. Oh, yes. And it failed miserably. Oh, man. I mean, outside of what that end scene of Carrie did for the prom scene did for like horror movies and stuff down the line anyway, I thought it was just a great movie all the way through. Mm-hmm. I yeah. thought... Uh, who is it? Sissy Spacek? Is that yeah. Who plays that? Yep. yeah, I thought she played Carrie very well based off of how the book goes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, <clears throat> if you can read a copy, find a copy to read, and you're not homicidal, uh, Rage is worth reading. Whoa. Oh, that's a Bachman book. It is a Bachman book. Yes. In oh, my Bachman God. Book. It's so it's so funny that you mention Rage. Uh, is because, that banned or something? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Uh, it's basically uh, like a school, a school, school kind shooting. of... Yeah, and it's yeah. what's interesting is that when I was in college, uh, as a project, uh, I was a, I was in the, the theater. Yeah, and I wrote a I wrote a, a stage version of Rage for my theater group. Of course, you did. <laughs> I did, and it was uh, yeah. Were you expelled? Was, no, I was not expelled, but uh, it was an interesting experience because we had we all had to read it. Was it pre Columbine that it came out? Yeah. Oh yeah, a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it wasn't you know that's why I was kind of banned. In a lot of ways. Uh, and you said because by his own wishes? Yeah. So um, the, the short version is there's a kid with a lot of mental health, mental health issues, really bullied and everything. And um, <clears throat> they end up talking him out of it, from what I remember. But uh, he gets a gun and he takes a classroom full of kids hostage. Mm-hmm. And um, there were, if I remember correctly, there were three or four school shootings that happened. And after the fact, they went in the kid's locker who shot everyone and found a copy of the book. Mm-hmm. So Stephen King said, this book is not safe to be out. I want you to withdraw it from publication. Yeah. And so, so it's no longer in print yeah, then? Yeah. It's at, no longer in print yeah. at all. The Buckman books, instead of having that as book number one, it just starts with the long walk now. Oh, wow. And uh, I actually have on my bookshelf right there, uh, next to that George Lucas book, is the Bachman books, uh, first like printing paperback. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, so and Rage is in there. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have one in my mother's attic somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it is disturbing, but it was also very well written. Yeah. And it was, in the grand scheme of things, I thought it was a great story. Mm-hmm. Really quick question, if, if we can try and answer it quickly. Why did he write under a pseudonym if he was already so famous as Stephen King? Because he was so famous as Stephen King. He wanted to see if he could get it done under a different name. Yeah. And he did. Not yes. at first, though. No? Okay. Not at first. But he did manage to sell the books. He said, would I be able to sell a book under a different name if they didn't know it was me? Right. Am I still good enough? To oh, get it I see. It was a test of his mettle. Yeah. 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 It is my name carrying my storytelling, basically. Got it. Um, I think the most famous of the Batman books would be The Running Man. Oh, right. Yeah, or Thinner. Or Thinner. Thinner. Yes. That was a terrifying movie. Yeah. Yeah, which I, I also didn't know was Stephen but King. the book was great. So, wow. Okay. I, I will say I've read a lot more of the books than I have seen the movies. Right. Oh, uh, other honorable mention: Pet Cemetery. No. Like I thought, the new one. Was, <laughs> We're cutting the, that the out. The new one was great. I, I thought. We're cutting it. I out. know it didn't critically do very well, but I thought you didn't even see it. But um, 
I thought that I'm rolling uh, my eyes at you. That's fine. That, it trans- no, that's for people who are listening, so they know I'm rolling my eyes at you. I'm sure they can hear it through the yeah. through the microphone. Also, great song by the Ramones. Mm. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But yeah, the the new one I thought Does they did. A great nobody job. care about my opinion. Anyways, I'm sorry, you say something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This was a fun episode. Yes. First of yes. all, thank you so much to our guest for coming on. Thank I, you, Wayne. I appreciate you. Um, Sorry for a little rambly. No, you didn't get rambly. It's nice to see you talk and hear you talk. See you talk. See you talk. I come but, with subtitles. Okay. Well, he is English That's after good. all. Yeah, well, two countries <laughs> separated by a common language. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I could go into that deep. Being a history manager, I learned a lot about linguistics. Linguistics. Langustines? There you go. Um, anyways, so just to read, let's do it. If we can, let's do a little bit of a recap for our listeners on what our topics were today. So my pick, my first and only pick was Firestarter. 1984's, I think, really great film starring baby Drew Barrymore. And Wayne, what was your pick? It. No, what was it? <laughs> okay. Um, your pick, <laughs> I can't go on. Uh, so my first pick was Stephen King's homage to cocaine in the 80s, Maximum Overdrive. <laughs> and my second pick was the much more obscure Stephen King's Golden Years mm. television series from the, the early 1990s. Nice. So... We got, we, we've come to the ending of our little horror month here. As sad as it is, we do have to let it go. We do have to but let it go. But let don't. it go. But guess what? You don't have to let it go because it will be available on our website, the Deep Dive Podcast, uh, the Deep Dive Podcast dot com. <laughs> I've had I've had I've had too much water. Um, the Deep Dive Podcast dot com, where you can find all of our old episodes, right, including last year's Halloween October Spectacular Spookular yep, yep, yep. event, where we had some guests on. We I think we had Paloma, we had Jay and Dean, mm-hmm. we had a bunch of people, and it was really fun. But also, while you're there, why not check out our merch stands? Our merch right now is currently hosting a limited edition t-shirt, a 2020 Deep Dive Podcast Halloween t-shirt, which if you're like me and basically everyone else in the world, you're at home most of the time. Mm. So if you're worried about people seeing you, don't worry. Just wear it and no one will know. We will know. They won't know. know. They won't know. You can also make a mask out of it if you want to. You should wear it out to promote the podcast. Thank you, husband of mine. Thank you. Wear it out to public. (laughs) Um, But we also have one final thing that I'm going to talk about, and then I swear I'll stop talking. And we have a contest. Yes, we do. Because guess what? Season three is on the horizon. On the horizon. It really is. I can't believe we've hit almost three years and, and nearly 15,000 downloads. Like That's insane to me. Yes, and um, eight listeners. And eight listeners. Thank you, Netherlands. Sparkens yes. of Deutsch. Yes, that, indeed. Yeah. No. no, not at all? Okay. No. In any case, if you would like the golden opportunity to be part of our show and why wouldn't you go ahead head over to the deep dive podcast.com where you'll find links to our email our twitter our facebook our instagram do any of those things send us a message and tell us what you want to hear about so tell us a topic tell us a movie that you want us to discuss and if we pick you not only will you get a fantastic prize pack like super amazing that everyone is asking for it includes a fantastic t-shirt we got some pins we got a magnet we got Thanks, stickers. We got everything in there. But you'll also get a chance to be on our podcast. We will find a virtual and safe way to host you. Now, wouldn't that be fun? That's a rhetorical question, by the way. 
thought it was fun. Thank you. It's going to be fun. Please enter. DM us. Tweet us. Facebook us. Instagram us. Do all that stuff. Our email is deepdivepodcast at gmail.com. And I can't wait from here to hear from you because I know there's at least two of you listening. Gotta be. There's Somewhere. at least two of you. Somebody's yeah, downloading this. Yeah. This, anyway. has been a, this has been a show. Yes, it has been a show. <laughs> there are lots of podcasts out there, and this is one of them. And this is the one. This is one of them. To yes. be fair, though, if you search the Deep Dive podcast on iTunes, we are like the number one one that pops up. Yes. Better than Thank number you. two. Better than number two. That's right. Okay. All right. So yeah. let's wrap this up. Let's wrap it up. So we are going to take a little break next week to gather our strength for season three. Three. And give you all time to send in your cards and letters and suggestions and... Well wishes. Yeah, that kind of thing. Money. Money. Thank you. <laughs> Jinx. Uh, and, you know, thanks to everybody. Yeah, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to us and actually just sticking around because it's been really fun. Um, but it's even funner knowing that there's listeners mm. yeah. out yeah. there. Okay. I need a break. We'll just, we'll just cut I just, that, I just that part out. All right. So on behalf... <laughs> Of the amazing Mandalorian. That's me. Myself, Tom Feeney, and our special guest, Wayne. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Thank you. Stay healthy. Stay safe. Wear your mask. And listen to us. That's right. All right. Bye. Bye. All clips used on this podcast are intended for educational purposes only and not to infringe on any existing copyrights. Ooh! The Deep Dive Podcast is a production of Automaton Studios. Ah, ah, ah.